0: Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know to impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, Good Father. In this series, we will dive deep into the father heart of God. Join us as we remove the fog of religion and many man-made definitions of God. We will get to the core of his true loving character and his desire to have a genuine relationship with each one of us. Is that for me? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Welcome, glad that you are here this weekend. Uh, We do have a great series that we'll jump into. Uh, It's one that easily comes from my heart, one that I thoroughly enjoy uh, teaching about, and one, to be honest with you, that I don't have... um, I force myself to go back and study uh, the topic again, the subject again, but I teach on it so much in varied places. It's the number one thing I'm asked when I leave here to go teach somewhere. It's the number one thing I'm asked to teach on. In fact, I just got back um, teaching in Kona. Uh, YWAM had invited me. And every time they invite me, they ask, will you come and, and teach on the Father heart of God? So one of the weeks for a, a young person doing a DTS, a discipleship training school, what they want foundationally is that they understand the right relationship between them and God. Can you imagine? How, here are these young missionaries are about to go into the world. How important is it for a person to get the right relationship between them and God before they go? Yeah. So Sort of it works this way. YWAM's, uh, their, their moniker is uh, to know God and make him known. To know God, can you agree with that for our lives? To know God and make him known. Here's a thought. Jonathan Murley introduced this to me, our, our missions pastor. Jonathan said when he was a young man, he had a relationship with God, but he didn't know him intimately as a father, as a good father. He knew him as creator. He knew him as Lord, but he didn't know him as father. So Jonathan said he found himself on this side of life. He was trying to make God known without knowing God. Just think about that for just a moment. Trying to make God known without thoroughly knowing God—how difficult would that be? It's trying to come back from some place you've never been. Trying to describe something that you don't understand, and therefore, until we have the transformation inside of us to really know Him as Father—and and again, there are a few monikers that JFC is famous for. One is the power of the gospel doesn't change your past; it changes your. I came up with that. That's mine. <laughs> You won't find that someplace else. Another one simply is this, the distance between your brain and your heart is way more than 18 inches. Do you agree with that statement? Most people sitting in this room will tell you, I agree that God is my father, but do you live that God is your father? And there's way you can know it here, but until you get it here, gosh, uh, the, the problem with the message then is that until we have transformational thinking that changes our hearts, we can know all of these things, but it doesn't change our lives, if that makes sense. And so I'm sort of getting ahead of myself. Let me back up and welcome all of our campuses right now. Obviously, Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, uh, our online campus, all of the people that tune in, all of our visitors this weekend. We're glad that you are here. Uh, We are doing a new series. We just started it called Good Father, and we'll use this. It'll be about a four-week series. Uh, I put in the notes, we're going to build on the right foundation. I was getting into a little bit right there why I think this is such an important foundational issue. Uh, Let me just show you a scripture here that talks about this, Jesus used this idea when he was teaching on the Christian life and the importance of the correct foundation. So uh, Jesus says this, therefore everyone, uh, just real quick, I need one scholar. How many is everyone? Everyone. It's everyone, right? It's not just the few and it's not just the younger. It's not just like, it's everyone. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the rain's been coming down, yes or no? <laughs> it has been coming down. I, I want to take rabbit trails right now, but I, I better not. So uh, a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It had its foundation on the rock. i just throw out to you this idea. Jesus clearly says that into every life some storm will come, yes or no? It's, it's, the Christian life is not a prerequisite, a force field, or some, some manner of escape from having to go through difficult things. What he says is if you build it on the right thing, when those days come, your house won't fall. Your foundation will be strong and it will be sure. Here's what I would say to you, and this is where it becomes just, I mean, like, if I get passionate about this, get why I'm passionate about this. I I did not grow up with the knowledge of God as good father. I grew up with him as the knowledge of all powerful, almighty, all justice, the judge, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the mighty. And and, and it's right and it's true. And yet, here's my thought, so many people, uh, when they know God, they know him through a, a, a vestige of an Old Testament name, like he's Jehovah Jireh, or Jehovah Nisi, or Jehovah the Powerful. But the truth of the matter, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, which is a better covenant, by the way, a better covenant, we're given one name by where it brings all of the facets of God together. What's that name? Father, Abba. One name, and one name. This is how God wants us to relate to him. And we're to, to get this in us so that we're not just saying a word, but that it really is from our heart. This is my Father. This is not just the creed, this is my Father. And that's how He wants us to feel about Him and, and to approach Him. And then, then you have this this is why it's so foundational. So people today say, well, you know, if my earthly Father wasn't a very good one, I just kind of project that onto my heavenly. So I did that too, but that's no excuse to not know the good God. He stands there ready to overcome. What we, what we didn't get by pedigree, we can get through his provision, if that makes any sense. So I, so much that I want to, to, to go here. Uh, I, I just I had this thought in mind that I wanted to say, uh, men, just men, look at me for just a moment. Um, this is a message where younger people receive it easily. Uh, women many times will receive this, but men sit there, and this is one that just seems to like McFly, McFly, kind of open up a little bit here. And and men, this is the men can get it here and seem to have trouble getting it here. Uh, Is it a man thing? I don't, I did too. I I see that too. I take the time to even to address the issue at all of our campuses. uh, hear this. It's not a it's not a a Denver thing. It's not a um, you know, it, it it's men. Men just seem this is one of those ones the Holy Spirit. It has to penetrate through the power of the Holy Spirit to get it. So here's what I know to be true. The Bible tells us in Romans, Paul said this, we're to be transformed by having our minds renewed. Transformed people transform families. Do you agree with that statement? Transformed people transform cities. Transformed people transform nations. When we look at things and we're like we're unhappy with what we're seeing in our family or what we're seeing in a, in a state or in our government, you recognize the answer to that ultimately is that God wants to use us as transformed people to... I don't know if you hear what I'm saying right now. So the, the power of the gospel is that it transforms us so that we, we're not afraid of the process. We change process. We're involved. We speak. We act. We're in And and men, I would just say this to you. Um, I'm just going to go where I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to go right now. We reproduce what we are, whether we like it or not. Gents, look at me real quick. We reproduce what we are, whether we like it or not. In all five of our pregnancies, I never doubted that we would have a human. Never. I mean, I was never like, you think it will be a cat or what?" What do you think will happen here in this situation? We knew it, on, on some level it was going to be a human. Prayed it looked more like her than it did like me. <laughs> Believed it would act more like her than it acted like me. But the bottom line is we never di- We just reproduce what we are. Natu- Biologically, that's the way that it works. Do you agree with the statement? Yep. Yes. So spiritually speaking, listen to me. Gentlemen, we reproduce what we are without thinking about it. And if you don't know God as a good father, how you do know God is what you'll reproduce in the lives of the people closest to you, whether you know or not. It's what you do. If you know him through fear, then it's the way you will speak about him without knowing that's how you speak about him. If you know him as the God of retribution, you may not call him that, but that's the way that you'll introduce him to you. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? Do you know him uh, up close and personal from a distance? If you know him from a distance, that's what you'll reproduce. So why then does this become so important? It's such a key for transformation in your life, which then tra- transform people, transform situations. So maybe the number one place we need transformational thinking is in what we believe to be true about God. If I'm taking notes, I would write that down right there. If you're not taking notes, write that down right there. Maybe the number one place we need transformational thinking above everything else is how we think about God. So just put in the notes two two quick thoughts. The most foundational of theology. I love, believe it or not, if I'm a geek on something, I can geek out on theology. I can talk theology with people. People's opinions about what they believe don't, it doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't freak me out. If I'm having a conversation on what's so on, here's what I do. Even if I disagree with them, I can say, hmm, that's interesting. It doesn't mean I agree with them. Yeah. It actually means, how can you think like that? But <laughs> yes or no? It just, hmm, that's interesting. Chris and I were having coffee, and an older lady began to just unwind. I have this happen all the time. Just unwinds her story. She's just lost her husband to cancer, begins to just tell us all these different things about her. She said, I can just feel his spirit guiding me. Here's what I said to her. Hmm, that's interesting. People, you you get what I'm saying? So I love, what, the most foundational of all theology, no matter how good you get at it, the most foundational thing has to be, Jesus loves me, this I know. If you don't get that, you'll never read your Bible the right way don't 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 push me away right now as like that god that's the deepest theology that's the most foundational yep that is the foundation you have to build everything else on before you move into anything else if you don't get that right on that fa- here's what will happen the rains will come and your house will fall and all of your theology in the world won't help you so it's the most foundational of all teaching, but it's also the one, look at the point right next to it, it's also the one in my mind. If you were going to go back and review something to keep it in front of you, to keep it fresh, to keep, to keep myself pointed in the right direction, I would encourage you, let it be the most important practice that you have in your spiritual life. The practice of, listen, not just making him known, but knowing him. Your job, remember, engage this way, so that you then are useful this way. Do do you follow what I'm saying? Your job is to engage this way, so that you're useful this way. If you don't engage this way, you're here, but you're like an arm out of joint. You can't function as God wants you to without the engagement this way. Does this make sense? And if I could, if I... Boy, if there were any teaching... Anything that I would hold up as saying to you, never, ever, don't. It's okay to learn other things, but never move past this foundationally as what you build on. I would just tell you, you can't read your Bible correctly without it. You won't pray correctly. You won't love people correctly without loving God first, without knowing him. Hmm. So... uh, I guess what I titled this message was just revealing the heart of God. And that's what we'll do for the next few weeks is just sort of go after God's heart. Talking about it, looking at it. If you go, hey, I know those things. My question is not just simply, do you know it, know it, but are you living it? Is it penetrating your life? Are you reproducing? You know, here's how you know it's coming out of you. You're reproducing it. We all reproduce something around us. That's the undeniable. Agreed? We all reproduce something. All right, so um, the first one, revealing the heart of God, how we can know God's heart, how we can look at how how we theologically, this is not your pastor's opinion. This is not just simply we're debating. This is is solid. This is what you build your life on. How do we know God's heart for us? How do we know how God feels about any situation? What's the first thing that we can do? Look at Jesus. Always remember this. Never forget this. man. The, Jesus, he is it. Let me let, look at this scripture right here. This is what Jesus said about what he did here on the earth. Very truly, I tell you, the son, Jesus, can do how many things? So here, here's what he's saying. The son does nothing without first having the father tell him to do this or having seen the father do this. This is, this is if you're a believer, who is your model and example? Yes or no, he's it, right? This is what we aim our lives, this is everything to us. The story of Jesus, or the way to look at Jesus, or the understanding of who Jesus is, never look and go, wow, look at what God can do on the earth. That's the wrong message. It's a message, but it's not the one. Here's the way to see Jesus. Look what a man in right relationship with his father can do on this earth. Jesus did nothing. Everybody, well, he was God. Of course he could walk on water. He was God. Of course he could heal the dead. He was God. Of course. Of course. But he was also 100% man. And he grew thirsty and he grew tired and he was tempted and he hurt. And when he stubbed his toe, it made him mad. Don't think he stubbed his toe. Oh, bless the rock. I made that rock. He didn't do that. (laughs) It's not what he did. He got mad. Now he didn't sin. Here's the difference. You can be angry and not sin. You know that, right? So he, he didn't. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that, but could you see? Why did I make that? Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Look, because whatever the father does, the son also does. All right, let's translate this. Here's what he's saying. Jesus is the revealed heart of God on the earth. Jesus has come to make manifest the father. That's what he said. So he's not doing just what he, he doesn't wake up in the morning and go, what am I going to do today? Here's what the father, he's he's so engaged with the father, the father tells him, here's how I feel, here's how I think, this is what I want you to do, this is how you best represent me to everybody around you. So every story that we read, the prodigal son, why do we have that in the Bible? To tell us how God feels about people who go away from him and if they make any movement to come back, here's what the father does, he runs. I love that. Now, this is not God the all-powerful who sends a lightning bolt to hurt the one who strayed. This is the God who looks every day, where is he? I miss him so much. Gosh, I wish he would come home. Is today the day. And when he finally sees him after a long period of time, he doesn't stand there in retribution. I knew you'd come crawling home. I knew you'd blow it, and I knew this day would come, and now you are going to pay. God, he runs The God of creation runs after us. Does that pin? Yeah, I know it. No, do you know it? Have you had it happen to you? That's what I would say to you. So maybe you see yourself as, come on, I'm not that bad. That God would have to run after me, and you don't get it. Transformed thinking transforms people. The the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember the story? So we'll go all through it, but at the end of it, all of the accusers are gone, and the only one really that was ever able to judge is not offering judgment. He's offering to this woman life, but he offers her life with truth. Here's what he says Do you see any accusers here? I see none, neither do I accuse you. Therefore, leave this life of sin. So he offers her mercy while extending to her truth. What is that? That's God's heart the one that could have thrown the stone didn't but he didn't just go like in today's world here's what we do hey you know the church really needs to get with it and just their idea of love is just to condone everything that's not the message here's the message we have god just very much love but he also offers truth as a way out of sin he loves us enough not to leave us that's love do you love your children enough to correct them? Three of us. Let me ask the question one more. Let me begin by, how many of you have, how many of you have your mind left after children? Okay, all right. So, yes, I know. It's a, that's the questionable thing. But when you're raised, you love them enough not to just leave them to their own devices, didn't you? You got involved and said, that's not right. Don't do that. Stop that. But I bet you didn't take a stick and hit them to remind them on the head, you know, that's not right. Wham! Let this be a lesson to you forever and ever. Bear that scar as a facsimile of my love. That's not how we. I'll tell a quick story on myself. I was teaching at YWAM, and they had this, um, they hit like the crosses we have on the side, they're great big wood crosses and they had it up in the front of the thing, except it was sort of positioned sideways. And uh, I was in a ministry time praying for people, I had my eyes closed, and God was really doing this powerful thing on deliverance. So I had my eyes closed, I was trying to walk, and I walked right into that, boom! And I about knocked myself out. So everybody, of course, opens their eyes, right? And I'm like, just keep your eyes closed, it's all good. And I'm like, (laughs) it rocked my world. That was not God trying to correct me for every story, every action, every reaction, every every word, every prayer, every person He touched, every everything that was made, manifested and made known about Jesus, every last detail was done so that you would understand the heart and the love of the Father. That's why I say, see, if you get this right heart, then when you read the Bible, you read the message behind. You don't just read the ink of the paper and the story. The story by itself can cut you to pieces. You'll misinterpret it and then misinterpret it for other people. You'll try to help them apply it as you understand it, and that's you have to apply it through the revelation of, this is how God feels about me. So let me give you a great example. Has this, this ever happened to you? Texting. What a modern-day wonder. And yet, here's the problem with texting, that unless you know the person's heart, texting can be one of those things that is so easily misunderstood, yes or no. It communicates no emotion and feeling with it. Right? You ever got a text where you're just like, what does this mean? So, no, be honest. Did that ever happen to you? So what's the difference? So, My brother and I. This my This is my brother. My brother Steve, he's only, he'll turn 50 this year. He's only, he's he's less than two years younger than I am. I've known him his whole life. And yet when he and I text with each other, sometimes I'm like, is he just in a bad mood? What is wrong with him? So I will call him. Recently I went to breakfast with him. And I just, I said, what is this right here? Are you angry at me? He goes, "Uh, no, I was in a hurry. I was in a hurry. When you know the person's heart, you rightly interpret what's being written. You give the benefit of the doubt and you understand the context. Without it, yes or no, it leaves room for, what does that, does anybody get what I'm saying right now? Have you ever read your Bible? And you can read judgment all across it. You can read anger all across it. Knowing the heart helps interpret what's written. That was darn good. That was that was real good. That, I, that, that's not in my notes. That is the Holy Spirit. My notes are not that good. That was... So let me give you the second revelation of God's heart. So, so what I would do, or what I would encourage you to do, is to go back and to read. Reread the Gospels. But reread them, asking the Holy Spirit to really reveal the Father heart of God to you, so that as you read them, God, just... That this transform my mind so that I know Your heart as I read this, so that transform my life, so that what I say and reproduce is transforming, in the right sense of the word. We're transforming around us all the time. We're transforming something. Second, second thing. So fill in the blank. So it's just say your prayers. And here's just simply what I mean by that. I alluded to it at the beginning. Uh, this is uh, from Matthew. And it's just in Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer. And I will just have you do this with me. Uh, Jesus is asked the question by the disciples, teach us to pray. And I've pointed this out for years and years. They could have asked him, teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how you survive so well in a world that's just not so much going for you. I mean, they could have asked so many things, but the very, he must have really had a connection with the Father when he prayed so that they wanted to know what he knew. So they say, teach us to pray, and then we have recorded, for posterity's sake, what that prayer is, and those of you who know, I just want you to give me the first two words of how we're supposed to pray. Stop, just right there. Everything you need to know about how to relate to God is given to you in those two words, on purpose because it's a revelation Jesus does nothing he says nothing he does nothing without the father first telling him this is what you do or what you say yeah. so when all of all of who and how are to relate to god is brought down, how do you how would you bring how would you bring so much everything that god is i mean he, he it's too much it fills the universe of an ever expanding universe How would you know it? So he brings it into two words. Know Him this way. Here's how you get it all in one. Our Father. Here's how you correctly pray, how you correctly relate. When you hurt, go to God as your Father. When you're doing well, go to God as your Father. When you're struggling in life, go to God as your Father. When you're confused, messed up, and you don't understand why it's this way, and you can't even figure Him out, go to Him this way. Father. One word, in essence, gives us the fullness of who God is father. So let me demonstrate. In conversations with my children as they grew up, they never approached me based on a facet of my character. They never came in and said, oh, great provider, I'm so hungry. Please open thine supernatural wallet and let, let I'm calling forth money. They never did that silly kind of stuff. You know what I would have done? What's wrong with you? No, I want you to think about that. If your child walks in tonight and begins. What, what are you gonna? You're gonna like, what do you want? Why are you doing this? Who taught you that silly rhetoric? Why would you talk to me that way? What, what is this formality between us suddenly? Now it's true. I provide for them. Did, do did, do do did. It's a. It's present and past tense all at once. Much like the Lord, it's a do-did. That's, I amuse myself while I teach too. I, they never, so, in one word, conversations were always, regardless, regardless of the conversation, it always began with dad. In the most difficult of circumstances that I would never betray. But looking at my children and knowing what each one of them has gone through. In the most difficult of circumstances, it didn't begin in some formal, it was dad. It was dad. Katie brings our newest grandchild and sits in the back tonight. And I got to visit with him for a few minutes But when she introduced me to him, she didn't say, Ezra, here's our great, great beneficiary. (laughs) Here is the seed of life that has been given to us as, this is your papa. When my children were successful, when they've hurt, when they needed, when they were growing, when everything was going well, and when everything was not. One word encompassed everything they ever needed, and it was just simply Dad. Because when they say that word, here's what a good father does. He's in tune to how it's being said. And sometimes nothing more then that is all that needs to be said, yes or no. And if you don't know, dear God in heaven, may you know, his ear is tuned to your cry. The way you say it, he knows what you need before you even get it out of your mouth. Mm. give you the last one the first one is just simply look at Jesus the second one is learn to say your prayers the last one is just be like your father be like your father we do that many times without thinking about it and that's why this transformation has to work in us when it transforms our mind then we reflect him We reflect his glory. We reflect his nature. We reflect reflect what he's done in our life without thinking about it because it's the thing that comes It just emanates from us. Like genetics emanate from us. We don't think about it. I'm gonna, my brother sent me a picture the other night and it was me barbecuing with my grandfather who died a long time ago. And I'm like, God, I don't remember this picture being taken. And look at the, gut on me? Where did that come from? And so I, it was on my phone. When I got home, I opened it on my computer, and it was actually a picture of my dad about my age. And I thought, genetics suck. That's what I <laughs> Because you can't do anything about them, basically. They are what they are, yes or no. Does anyone in this room look like your mom or your dad? and anyway should you ever see yourself you ever just glance i mean i'm walking in front of the mirror i look over and i'm like oh my dad is what, what how did he get in here <laughs> and in the kindest way possible listen to what i'm saying i don't think about looking that way it's just the way i look when we have this thing with him we don't think about making him known it's what we do because it's just who we are in the world. I don't know how to make this any easier. This is the, it's the emanating presence of the Holy Spirit that should be in us so that our answer, it doesn't have to be contrived. I need to be nice. <laughs> we reproduce who we are. That's why this becomes so powerful because if you could get it on that level, and this is not condemnation, by the way, for any man or woman in this room who looks at their family, I reproduced the wrong thing. So so let me just say this to you. With my two older children, I knew God at that time with my understanding. I knew God as a judge. And what I reproduced with their understanding is that God was judgmental. And the fruit of God being judgmental is fear. Do you understand? It's fear. So that, 30 years later, we just talked about this a week and a half ago, overcoming certain ways that you've introduced. That's not really, we've got to, this needs to be transformed so that we don't think of God that way. It make so with the three younger ones I came into this great revelation of God's grace and mercy it moved from here to here they don't struggle at all with feeling like God just thinks they're his favorite but the older do where did that come from do you understand what I'm saying it's never too late power of the gospel can't change your past but it can change your change it today. huh? So be like your heavenly father. We just read this to you and then I, I need to close our message. This is uh, Luke 6. Jesus again. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Sometimes I think we read this and it just, yada, yada, yada. Love your enemies. <laughs> Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Look at this. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And this part, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. And let me finish the scripture. For God is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Be like your father. It just goes back to what I just, when you have to think to be like him, it's not really being like him. When it emanates from you because that's who you are, it's playing the right way in your life. Does this make sense? It's moved from here. Here's when you have to think about it. Here's when it's who you are. Let me, I I just close with this. Um, Had a confrontation with a girl, this is at YWAM, who needed delivered. She had a demon. I haven't run across that a whole bunch in my life in the last 10 or 15 years. But if you sit here and go, well, I just don't believe that, read the New Testament and come with me sometime. It's true and it's real, trust me. And I ran across a girl from China. And uh, John Murley, uh, Pastor Jonathan, happened to be teaching one morning. And this is what he just simply said this. Jonathan dealt when he was a younger man um, with a spirit of suicide. I don't have time to tell his testimony, but he just dealt with it as a younger man. And he just said, I just felt like the Lord reminded me of that. And he said, there's just someone here in the class. He says it's just for one person. You're dealing with that. You feel that. And the Lord just wants to set you free from that. Nobody moves. Not one person. So I go back to my room that night, and I just, I'm getting before the Father. I'm trying to just connect this way. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to rebring it up tomorrow. And this is what you say. These are the exact words that you say. You tell them that I'm setting them free from the tormentors. And as soon as you say it, I'll do it. So I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. Stood up the next morning, and I said, listen, Jonathan said this yesterday. Nobody moved. I know that's an embarrassing thing. I know it's one of those things you'd rather talk about in private, but sometimes God just does what he does because he's God. I said, so for whoever you are, however you want to respond, this is what God would tell you, that you are set free, and the tormentors have to leave you alone. As soon as I said the word tormentors, this thing starts coming out of this girl. So she gets up. The leader takes her outside, and I thought the leader was going to handle it, but they call me outside. So I go outside with this girl, and I just, here's what I just said to her. The tormentors have to stop. And as soon as I said it, she began to scream, man. I mean, not just like, oh, I'm screaming. I'm like, I hope somebody knows what they're doing, because this is, this, this, is, this is getting out here right now. And so there's a class above us meeting. They call, come out, and they're looking down at us. And I mean, you know, I'm like, it's all, it's all good. No one's, no one's touching her. Hands are up. Look. And then people from across the street come out to see what's going on. And I just, finally, I just, in Jesus' name, you need to let go of her right now. And she screamed one last time, boom, gone. And then she, she just, it, she changed. And in front of me, this girl changed. And the Lord delivered her of this spirit of death. I mean, he delivered her of a spirit of death. It was just the most amazing thing. No, just hold on. So I'll go back to my room, and I had two thoughts. Here's the first one. Lord, I don't want that thing to come back and bother me. <laughs> Nobody else would have. Just me, right? This is my first? Is that just not transformational thinking? Like, Lord, protect me. Don't let that thing come in here and bother me. Oh, I don't want that. And then here was my thought, and this is what the Lord told me said, so I gave you my heart for her. And you operated in my heart for her. And here's what, a, when a father hears a child cry, he can't help but run to the child. He can't help but run. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. You're right where you need. Don't worry about anything. I got it. I slept the best I slept that night on that trip. Best I slept. Huh. I would just say to you, listen, it's such... It's such transformational thinking that needs to happen. What I would encourage you is not just, I got it here, I got it here, I got it here. Always, always be in the position of God, move it to the revelation in my heart so that I'm living it and I'm reproducing it and it's becoming the very, the, the, very, uh, the thing that people see when they see me, they can see the Father's heart. Man or woman, what we should be reproducing is our Father's heart. It's everything to this world. It's everything, man. It's everything. So, Father, just in your heart, I present this message to your people, to to every person who will hear this at every campus over this weekend, Lord, as they sit there. And I know some, God, I know some have had such such situations on this earth where where the enemy is just, he shackled them to, to what a father has done or what a father didn't do or what a father should have done. And the message then gets all. It it's just like, um, Lord, they they only hear certain words. Would you please, as a good father, be merciful to that person and heal, heal the wound, heal the wound. Lord, for those who sit in the room and who desperately are like, oh, pastor, I know it in my brain. I know it. I know it's like that. I I read it. I read it. And when you teach it, all of a sudden the dots, I can connect them, but somehow it's being stolen from me and living it out in the name of Jesus. I pray the good father's heart to just totally cover you and draw you and pull you to himself so that, look, we, we don't do this to be a good father. We do this because he's our good father. That's always the first position, not to make him known first, but to know him. I pray for every man who would sit in this room and hear this message and feel as though you came up short. That's not the message of our Father. The message of our Father is that he's full of mercy, and if you can hear the message, it's not too late for transformation to take place in your life. I speak this on every person who will hear this so that the reality of the Father's heart is what you will begin to reflect in all of your life. The reproducing factor of your life will be the Father's heart. The Father's heart. God, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for a good heart towards us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, church.